how to navigate authority where you're not coming to to attack directly, so you become then visible. Uh, kind of maneuvering. I mean, think of the tiger. The tiger, you know, doesn't make a sound. You know, it sits there, it observes quietly, it's alert, and it just pounces to the gets you in the jungler, it goes for the kill. <laughs> so if you're gonna make a move, make sure your move is accurate, right? You're actually gonna go for that kill because you don't wanna, you know, ruffle any feathers and and then find yourself in that turmoil position. So if we move with that consciousness and awareness, our movements are going to be like separated from a lot of the chaos where it's going to happen. It's usually when the movement is unaligned or misguided or premature or arrogant or unaware. But moving to get what we need, we just establish a place of reservance where we can be and go for what rightfully ours. I'm an insane sexual shadow witch and my name is Lacey Free and I'm the fucking host of Horrorpod. I've just been choosing my guests on intuition or having a conversation with my guides before the guests come on. And a few days ago, I was doing a little meditation and a talk with my guides. And I was like, I'm not sure who the next guest is supposed to be. And then I felt like they showed me one of my past timelines, a memory of being in a yin yoga teacher training with you. And I remember in the teacher training, we were sort of having a sidebar conversation and you were dropping all of this beautiful knowledge about numerology and how it was affecting me in my current situation. And now this was a very short conversation because we were listening to our teacher and learning from learning from the rest of the class. But just in those few moments, you captured my attention. And when I started thinking about that in meditation the other day, I think it's really cool how your guides can bring up past teachers or past timelines as healers for the timeline you're currently on. And when I saw that memory of us, I quickly remembered how you... And I would just pop up in each other's environments, or I would see you in what felt like the most random ways. But then looking back, I'm like, that was so synchronistic. And I kind of knew it at the time, but there was this sense that there was a lot to learn from you. The first time I ever saw you, we it was just in a yoga class together at Samadhi. 
And I think I heard you talk a little bit then and I was like, oh, she's cool. And then at that point, I would. I was still in school and I was giving tours and I was doing a Christmas tour. <laughs> and then I, my driver of, so there was a driver on the bus and then I was like supposed to wear silly Christmas costumes and take people around to look at lights or get alcohol, depending on who the guests were. And you were in the back seat on one of my tours because you were hanging out with the driver at the time. And I, <laughs> and that, that was one of those tours where I felt like I walked in the tour with a completely shattered and broken heart. And I was like, how am I going to be a festive elf tonight? And <laughs> you helped me. You were like this angel in the back seat and you just you, even though we were on a Christmas tour, I remember you guys dropped me off at my apartment afterwards and we sat in the bus as it was snowing and you were talking to me about my heartbreak and you weren't afraid to, even though it was a quick conversation, you weren't afraid to go to the darkness with me in those quick moments. And then we ended up at a yoga teacher training. So I've never talked to you for long periods of time and I don't know you very well. I just since your beautiful, powerful magic. And you started teaching yin, right? And you're still teaching, correct? Yeah. Beautiful. Yes, tell I am. Well, thank you for being here. Will you tell us all who you are? Yes. Thank you, Lacey. This is amazing to even see you. I haven't seen you in so long and I'm just always inspired and mesmerized by your courage and just your breaking like the mold and reinventing yourself and connecting in authentic ways. It's uh, really inspiring just following you and what you do. So maybe it is just you in that bus as a tour guide. I mean, that's just how your energy is. And we've talked about numerology, you're a seven and you're technically, you're the world teacher, natural teacher that is able to convey to everyone the nuances of the hardship of living and you're just that, that rebel spirit of yours that can just capture these moments and learn the wisdom. So this is really amazing. And, and I think just even bringing the word guides and tour and whatever, just bring us really close to how we can channel each other, like you said, and just have this premonition or just the guidance for somebody beyond us to, to just direct us to where we need to go. So it's kind of nice that it just landed this way. So for me personally, I just got into this field through my own energetics. Um, when I started to look closer into how I see the world, which was a little bit skewed than the normal person, um, seeing different vibrations and usually numbers. It's like, you know, if you see that matrix, <laughs> Neo looking at the grid of people as numbers, this is really how my connection to numbers numbers became a lot more attainable when i see people in these vibrations as opposed to the masking um facades of who we are in our physical self and just our manifestation of how we present ourselves and so on and it's complex and beautiful that is but i could never really relate directly so getting into myself to understand the world and a vibration that's a lot more simplistic more elemental and just understanding that we are 
resonating with each other. And then when we understand what that vibration is that we have and other people, then we can actually start to navigate the interaction and the processes as we move together. And and I think it was kind of cool to see you through our journey through from the tour bus to Samadhi, and then you're landing in the training because it was the the practice of yin in itself really honed down our ability to sift through our physical bodies into that more energetic space while still connecting to this realm and navigating these spaces, these small spaces within ourselves where we can not only just dissolve and decipher our blockages and make resolutions, but these pockets where there is transmission between us and all that's around us, you know, universally and cosmically. So yeah. I mean, this is kind of who I am. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yin is such a life-changing practice. I remember the first time I went to a yin class and it was, I, I want to say it was like 10 years ago and it was Mike's class and I went and I sat there and I hated it. <laughs> I hated it <laughs> so much because I had this very, I don't think my soul did, but like my mind had this very white girl Americanized cultural appropriating view of yoga <laughs> that I'm going to come and sweat and get hot and detox and get my like energy out, you know? <laughs> and then I didn't yeah. know anything about Yin. And he had us just sit cross legged <laughs> for what felt like four hours. And I couldn't believe all the anger that was coming up for me and the irritation and feeling so like uncomfortable and that my skin was crawling. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what you're supposed to be feeling <laughs> right <funny>. now. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, no, that is stupid. And then I slept better than I'd ever slept that night. And I was like, there's something there. And I didn't really realize at the time, and we're talking about yin yoga. And will you tell us a little bit what yin yoga is and like what it means to you and like how the fascia holds energy? So yin yoga, it's um, the base origins of yin yoga come from Taoian. And Taoian precedes Taoism. And back you know, when we take that lineage all the way to its root, this is about the foundation and the baseline of all of our movement, our yang movement, especially from that region. So we go from this yin still stillness, where we find our stillness and connectivity to our bodies, and we start to transmit from there to our movement. And it's the basis for qigong, which is movement of qi in our energy, and then from there in choreographic movement of Xi, of Tai Chi. Um, and these choreographic movements are fight, fighting and sparring techniques that we kind of carry it energetically. And then we transmit it into full battle. And so in the martial art realm, this is really the basis of all the energetic work, the healing work, the also the connectivity to ourselves, to our purpose of why 
we're doing what we're doing, and especially as we battle wor- the world individually, day to day, or actual real sparring or battling with people, there's always have to be a perspective of an inner place where not only that we are presenting our situation and ourselves in these moments of turmoil and challenge, but there's a purpose and there's also a sense of respect and honor to the space that we're creating for these challenges. Um, so Dalian specifically is about bringing ourselves to stillness. And that stillness is not forced. We're not putting ourselves there and it's conscious. Um, and so the way we become conscious with the body and stillness is we sit in shapes and we sit in positioning that moves our body and connect us to, let's say, our vital organs. We start to, from that stillness, find that separation in the body, physical body mass that sits on the ground through gravity and we feel that levity like we're being you know think of a balloon expanding and then we're in that space and within that space we can navigate and what holds us in that place is our fascia line the fascia line is this network of uh, tissue and material that holds the joints with the bones and encapsulate the, the muscles and this matrix of webbing that holds everything together in itself is a system of intelligence um, that's where we hold our blockages physically, whether it's emotional or physical. And then when we find that suspension to expand within that system and that matrix, we start to navigate movement and become more fluid. If we don't use this construct to hold us together in that levity space, um, is we start to break down that tissue and then it collapses and stuff. And we actually start to age faster. So this is about how we can feel that buoyancy in our bodies, uh, feel that suspension, and also find that longevity in our existence and not hinder the physical body, the muscle structure, really help us tap into these areas to keep, keep them healthy, to also purge what we don't need, and to sustain our livelihood so we can live longer, but not just live longer, healthier, and we can carry our physical body and not strain it. Completely. I think it's such a, an amazing practice because I feel like our fascia holds so much of our cellular memory. Like it holds on to our old traumas that we might not even be conscious of. And I felt like part of the yeah. anger and emotion that was coming out was literally the trauma leaving the body through yen. And it didn't happen yeah. overnight. And I, it's still a practice. But yeah, it's it's one of my favorite, most beautiful practices that I wish every person in this country would do. I love what you were saying <laughs> about seeing frequencies and numbers. Um, do you feel like yeah. you always saw them? And who were you as a little kid? Were you spiritual as a little kid? Did you see the frequencies then? And what is what does that look like for you? You know, I grew up uh, in Mecca, Saudi Arabia. So it was like a very, very holy city. Um, my family, especially my grandpa, he was, uh, you know, he would host pilgrimage. So every year there's like these like mass amount of pilgrimage that he would have uh, a number of pilgrimage that he will take care of, house, host, and guide them through the process of pilgrimage. And I think growing up in that very holy space, I, I was always connected to that vibration of 
something that connects us to something bigger. Um, and so maybe when I was young, my spirituality was really more connecting to community and being of service, uh, noticing how we become, we dissolve, you know, in our pretenses and everything. And everybody comes together for a journey of cleansing and connecting deeper with ourselves to something bigger. And then we just circumnavigate and we all become one. So our entities sort of dissolve, the ego sort of dissipate and we just become whole. So maybe growing up with that perspective, just feeling it, living it, as opposed to try to understand it and just growing up in it and become it. Um, as I start to see the world, when we when I got more older and maybe left, you know, Saudi Arabia and came here as an immigrant, it was it was very uh, different to be identified as an individual, but different than others, you know, or um, I didn't look like everybody else or maybe the way I grew up when I saw people in general, we just be melted together from that. end. it was always just this is who we are. We're just beings and there's not really that much difference in our physicality until it came out of context and that was very physically so it made it really hard for me to navigate you know when i came here inner personal relationships and just people in general because there was categories we were categorized and we were put in perspective so i think maybe then tapping into that spirituality with a tool that helped sort of dissolve these like um barriers that we have or separation of like, you know, I'm this color, I'm this race, I'm this, this, this sex and all of that. Uh, and then just have more of a universal way to connect to everybody. And I think numerology in general sort of popped up more as a vibration. And then when I actually stumbled onto the actual discipline, it just really made more sense. It was very harmonious for me to, to just see an energy and identify it more with its attributes as opposed to the skin color or the sex or the face again and all that stuff. Can you tell us what a pilgrimage is or what that looked like for your family? Yeah. So uh, my lineage or my background is from a Muslim lineage. So Mecca is the holy land in the Muslim world in Saudi Arabia now, as it's known. And every year there is an annual pilgrimage that comes where People from all over, they they follow the path of the Abrahamic lineage. So in Islam is really a third uh, religion that manifested through the Abrahamic religion that preceding it, Christianity, and before that, Judaism. And and it's it's sort of like commemorating and coming through the journey of Abraham as he moved through Sina, uh, the Middle East. And in the Muslim version, he descended into Mecca to set the position of the Islamic or the Muslim place of God to worship. Um, and that it was not until further down the line with the coming of Islam through Muhammad that that became the place of it. But that journey really symbolized the movement of finding your own reality as you, you're finding your place. And your place is not necessarily where you're born in, but rather you kind of find this journey where you can belong um, and set a foundation to establish your truth. So that's a little bit about the history of Hajj. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's the fifth pillar of the Islamic um, religion there. And, and it's the most community oriented. And there's a sense of like you let go 
of everything and go into this journey as to mimic if we believe in the year after when we are left, we leave this earth behind and we're going to go into our journey to the other world, um, disconnected from everything. And just every individual carries their own merits, their, you know, their, their deeds, and they just go into what that journey for cleansing and finding resolution. So that's, that's so amazing. Do you still harness any of your Muslim spirituality or practices? Yeah, I actually am a very uh, practiced Muslim spiritually. I tend to come at it less traditionally, um, more so it's just how I kind of connect to it more from the spirit of it, uh, more closer to Sufism, um, which Sufism is just taking any context and, and looking at the ultimate source, which is coming from a place of love, loving ourselves and finding the source of where we came from. So yeah, I do practice. Uh, one of my favorite of all the pillars is actually uh, fasting during Ramadan, which is actually going to come up in April starting this year. And so we follow the lunar calendar and the lunar calendar is offset 11 days from the um uh, solar calendar. So every year the calendar moves 10 days backwards. So the seasons kind of change uh, with these practices through time. Ramadan now is like around spring and, and let's say five, six, seven years, it will be into winter and it starts to move around. But fasting um, is also one of the most that I personally find a, a connection ever since I was young. I started fasting when I was probably like five or six just because it just really called it that practice called on me even though you know i think my parents were a little bit alarmed because you go from sunrise you know you don't eat from sunrise to sunset so that's a long time you don't have water you don't have anything so it's a long journey for a young person but but i always thought but by eliminating all these outer distractions there was a sense of just connecting to your essence and your and hunger and being thirsty or urges they're fleeting and when you know that they're fleeting and you can just sort of tap into a place of like more serene and stable it's really pretty much how the yin practices in in a lot of ways because we're separating ourselves from all the outside distraction and and consciously deciding we're going to be positioning ourselves here but we're not necessarily completely disconnected and then just sort of dissolving all these connections and barriers without forcing them and just being with ourselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've witnessed friends practicing Ramadan and the fasting, it looks so challenging, you know, because as yeah, it white, is actually in like white America so I can speak for my family. I feel like instead of feeling their emotions and dealing with their pain and dealing with their trauma, we were taught that we were taught to escape. We were taught to work really hard and escape through food, to consume more, to drown out our own feelings and it's like a subconscious thing we were taught, but I feel like it was very drilled into my my family's head and that life is hard, but you can experience sweetness through the external environment. You can experience sweetness through food, uh, through pleasure. And not that anything's wrong with pleasure, but it's so 
crazy what can happen when you clear the slate. And yeah, something that's coming up around the fasting and what you said when I first asked you about your spirituality, you talked about being a young person in service. And I think that something like new age spirituality is missing a little bit from my perspective is a lot of us talk about manifesting and creating abundance, but I feel like internally or it seems to me that whenever we manifest something, we also need to give something up or let something die before something can be reborn. And it feels to me in that part of service is like giving. It's giving something up. It's extending. It's clearing our slate a little bit. And there seems to, and I don't know if this even makes sense, but there seems to be a correlation between fasting because it's almost like sacrificing. And service is sacrificing. And to sacrifice is sacred. And when we sacrifice in service or in fasting, I feel like we make room for the magic to come in. Yeah, I really totally agree. And I do like, I really like, yeah, you bringing up specifically the word sacrifice, because it can be really scary when you think of sacrificial anything. Um, It seems like there's a part of us, we're going to give up or uh, something about us in one way or the other, you're going to have to put up front for something to come through. And a lot of time, that's really where I feel like we want to control that because we want to figure out what, what we want to give up. But the truth of it really is in, in the practice of, yeah, like connecting it with fasting, when, when everything is sort of like by, by choice or put away, you can see it from a different perspective, from an outside perspective, including things that are essential. I need water to survive or I need food. Um, But when we separate ourselves from these things, it doesn't become that essential where we're connecting to it as our survival. So in that same sense, when we want to sacrifice something, we're not going to sacrifice what we hold dear to us um, because that sense of loss of something that's dear can be detrimental to us. But but yes, sacrifice in itself doesn't have to be detrimental. It, it's just the process of letting go of something to allow something. And there's an evolution in that letting go. And in all holy practices or practices of uh, self-manifesting um, and creating that space within ourselves, as opposed to just creating it outside of us, we have to empty our container somehow because in that emptying of our container to become an empty cup, then we can receive what we need to receive. So yeah, exactly. I have friends in West Africa who are practicing Muslims and whenever they, and I don't know if this is has anything to do with their religion per se, but whenever they are praying on something, they go into fasting. Or if they start a new voyage or they move somewhere or they start a new job, they they may pray for three days and fast from sunup to sundown. And when I'm going through something, they're like, Lacey, fast and pray. They're like, it works. Why are you putting yourself through so much (laughs) chaos? Just fast and pray. You'll be fine. And at one point they fasted and prayed for me for a few days 
And just their prayer from so far away brought so much healing in my own life. The fact that they sacrificed for their friend was such, that alone was such a teaching moment for me that we can sacrifice for each other and bring healing to our friends, even if we're not next to them, because it's energy. Um, Exactly. And then, you know, when we also get to that sacrificial place, we know there is a source that's non-depleting, you know, and that's part of when we give it up so we can give more of it. Um, It's like finding the source of where all the wells and all the water sources come from. And so it's never ending. It's not just as the river goes far and stretches and we're so concerned about that part. But everything flows and then yeah, it's just coming to the source. It's just coming to the source of everything. And then there's abundance to give. And you're not it, you know, it's not even just yours. It just transforms you that you can extend it. Yeah, for sure. Yes. You're amazing at this, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Thanks. Um, thanks, Lazy. <laughs> totally. Um, what do you, so the portal is tomorrow. It's 2-22. Yes. 22. Um, as a numerologist, what are your feelings around this? What is this telling you? So just like we were talking about, actually, at the beginning of this, being guided and, and even just you coming into the space to invite me through like asking your guide so typically tomorrow having multiple numbers when we see multiple numbers like that they're they're called angel numbers in numerology and angel numbers are pretty much when we cite them or experience them it's just saying there's a message from beyond a message from the universe from the higher guides from our angels to either warn or guide us, or give us uh, information about something. And having the twos specifically repeating, this is specifically in our relationships and our unions, whether it's relationships with the whole or with our intimate partners or in our family uh, individually, but also how that can pertain to the collective being in this Aquarius time, which is February, having it more open in the twos. So I think the the most important part about any vibrations that as before we enter it and as we coming into it is to first take a moment to stay with ourselves to see where we're at. Uh, whether we know where we're at or not, but just sort of honing down into ourselves momentarily. So as we enter, we are able then to just receive what's happening and and something will guide us as opposed to thinking, well, I want to work on this thing in particular or just extract something, but just sort of just become one with yourself. And then we enter the space and see what's given to us. This is about information is going to be giving to us. This is also very powerful time because we're also just entering the, the beginning of the cycle back, the cycle return for Pluto and Pluto is about death and destruction and power, but it's also about transformation. So if you take those two together, combine in, in this day specifically where it's about our relationship, we're going to look at a lot of depth in our relationships where it's not necessarily about what we need to do to make them work, but what we need to know if it's not working, more say. And having it also being a polyndric 
a sort of number. Uh, that means they're opening equally to two outcomes and any of the outcomes are going to be the correct outcome. So there's no favoring. So it's going to be a, a tough time, but also a transformative time. So this is not to scare anybody about, you know, oh my gosh, my relationship, but um, coming to a transformation or a death of something or a demise, it doesn't mean a separation of the union itself, but maybe the habits that we're in, what we're holding on, uh, a falsified existence that needs to, the structure needs to break down to kind of get to a core base where it's more sustainable. And it's going to be yeah. more with clarity and we know why we're in it. But because this is a numerological vibration within ourselves as well, this is about being on our path. This is about actually having the right footing in our path. And, and it's going to expose how well we are or far off we are from just being in our path. And sometimes it's scary because when we start to connect to our path, it doesn't might not mean that whatever is hanging around or we're hanging around with is actually aligning with our path. So we need to just get into it with a sense of calmness within ourselves and be open to what the information is giving to us. And the information is not some magic explosion. It's it's really of how much each individual is willing to receive. We can go through it and it would be just a normal day and you can go through it and it'd be a complete transformation that only going to come the next time it's going to be at 22, 22, where we have that vibration. So it's going to be a long while if we live through that time. So it's just, it's really our choices of what we want and there's no right or wrong way. And it doesn't have to be something has to happen or not, but these days, usually, they're always lined up in the calendar that we are associating ourselves through our existence, through our birth dates. So in numerology, there's a sequential movement of my entity in number through this calendar that brings all these days that marks the sequential manifestation of what's happening and cycle from year to year, from year to year. So mathematically, it's just about energy moving sequentially. And then it's not really about predicting anything, but knowing that this cycle comes and they're going to be the ups and the downs and these magic numbers happening here and there. And how can we ride this sort of this roller coaster of life, but we want to ride it rather than resist it or go against it or feel like we're holding on to dear life. And we just want to ride smoothly through the ups and downs of everything. Yeah, and that makes so much sense to me, especially just in this time in the world. Around the new year, I was getting a lot of messages that to move forward, because in my opinion, we are going through a death process of an old world and a new world is being created. And we're sort of in this in-between space right now. But this energy of the new world, to go in it and to... And do you believe in ascension? What do you feel about ascension? Um, I guess it depends on how you're defining ascension. And like, yeah, um, when you say ascension, what is it? How are you connect? How are, what are you connecting it to? I guess I don't really know. <laughs> I should do this part. <laughs> um, I, well, I, it's I, interesting, but yeah. I think we're well, ascending. How, how do you relate to, to ascension? Yeah, so I think we're ascending to our highest form, our highest self, that we have yeah. been sort of living in 
a matrix, a simulated reality in a way that is sucking our power, like the 40-hour work week, the patriarchy, Mm -hmm. the racism, all of this exists as a messenger that we are not powerful. And by the matrix telling us we are not powerful, we subconsciously believe we have to give our power away. And by giving our power away, we're sort of releasing the reins and no longer becoming autonomous beings that create our own reality. So to me, ascension is moving up in higher dimensions, in higher frequencies, to become an autonomous being that is more aligned with our highest self and our soul essence. This all just sounds like a bunch of bullshit words. (laughs) No, but, but I think no, it actually doesn't. And I think, yeah, yeah, I think it, from that sense, yes. And it's actually funny because talking about as we were talking about Pluto and Pluto's energy, this is about really breaking these archaic foundations, these old way of thinking, and and breaking these structures. And because of the twos and the twenty two is the master builder um, energy, this is also building the correct platform, the correct structure that can hold us in our interpersonal relationship and our relationship with the collective. So I think actually it's just it. It's ascending or leaving, um, you know, the the matrix of this that we can, you know, constructed to move around. But then all of a sudden within that construction, you're just moving around to assist us to move around. We just sort of became it. We just became, we became the grid. And so with these moment in movement of energy where things structures are breaking apart and moving and there's a death of something it's exactly really that so when everything falls apart we're going to have to ascend we're going to have to lift and there's have to something that's going to lift us up otherwise our demise is really very pretty much happening if we don't have that levity to pull us up so yeah yeah yes. definitely it's happening well yeah well <laughs> but yeah i think this just it was really fitting i think it's the right word actually for what 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 i was trying to put together anyway so thank you for bringing it up i wasn't really sure about it until i was like oh yeah that's exactly it this is it <laughs> so it makes and, sense <laughs> and i don't think i'm normally stumped on that question i feel like i talk about ascension quite a bit but i think this is the energy of redefining we're redefining our yeah. spirit, like at least I am redefining some of my spiritual concepts right now, redefining my energy in the collective, my energy in the world. And it feels like this year is a huge year for redefinition. Who are we without the matrix? So much of us, our identity comes from our job or our partnership or our role in the matrix. And if that crumbles, who are we? And I've had a lot of people in my realm really struggle with their identity right now. And some are sort of crashing down a little bit. And But even when people crash down, that sometimes the crashing down is the, the greatest tool for ascension. You like crash down before you can rise up. But I was saying all that because you, you mentioned the energy of receiving receiving and and you talked about how 222 it might not be much for anyone but if you're willing to receive it might be totally shifting 
And I feel like a lot of people I work with, especially uh, feminine people, they tell me over and over again, I don't know how to receive. I can't receive. I can't ask for help. I can't receive pleasure, sexual pleasure, connection, gifts. I just don't know how to receive. And I had a light bulb moment when you were talking because you were saying, and it brings us back to the energy of fasting or letting something go before you can receive. And I'm like, oh, there's times in my life where I don't receive. And I think it's because my cup is just so full. And I didn't even realize that's what it was. I thought maybe I thought I was unlovable and that that's there too, or, you know, insecure or whatever those darker feelings are. But I'm like, no, I was overstimulated. My schedule was too full. I wasn't sitting in silence. I wasn't letting go of anything in order to receive. So that might be a little repetitive, but that was just a huge light bulb moment for me. So thank you for that. No, that's kind of really like that's a really deep uh, positioning because when we look at these these concepts, sometimes they they can come they can be a little bit confusing to see which from which angle we're coming at it. So to be able to sacrifice, it doesn't mean necessarily we want to be self-sacrificial. So it is, you know, so we're not, and also to be in service, uh, it doesn't mean that we lose our sense. So we're sacrificing ourselves to be ourselves. So we're filling up our energy to, to service other, but uh, for everything we're putting out, there has to be something that we are also gaining and we're also balancing out. So self-service and sacrifice can only happen when we are fully contained in, in you know, we have, we're, we're saturated in sort of in ourselves. So if you look at like the glass after we empty it, we can't go in it with an empty glass to do, to sacrifice and to, and to, be of service. We have to figure out what what is it we need to fill, and that could be really circumstantial. What we need to fill exactly? What's that dose? How many ounces for the service that we're doing, so we can sacrifice part of ourselves as we give it. But there is a return. So there's always like an, an equation of give and take. Um, yeah. And sometimes when we're lost in service and lost in self sacrificing, we become very sort of. Now, I, this is like, it's not, it's it's an expression I'm going to use and you can cut it off if it doesn't sound right. But think of like a rag, a rag that's cleaning and, and doing whatever. And, and, but the rag has to be itself cleaned after it cleans, right? For, for yeah. it to be able to clean some more. Okay. But also the rag, if it's not maintained, that's going to have, if it's just, it's going to have holes in it and whatever. And even though it's cleaning and that service is happening, it's really, it becomes more like a wasteful product. So us as humans, we don't want to be self-consumed and sacrifice and service where we don't have our essence or our entity as well. And we have to be able to regenerate and sustain. So I think maybe for me, that sounds, the rag has to be clean um, to clean the dirt. <laughs> you can't clean yeah. it while it's dirty, but you know. Yeah, that is so. I like how you brought up the equation aspect. You give some to receive. And that brings us back to the energy of math, numerology, numbers. Yeah. I I have so much trauma around math. I was horrible in math. And (laughs) my mom was very physically abusive. 
if I didn't get all A's. And and then I ended up with a really weird math teacher who was really not oh, great. No. <laughs> I see equations and my body clams up. Like I get extreme anxiety. And I've never been a person like into the angel numbers just because I see numbers and I think it's so opposite of my magic. But I think the truth is like math is magic. And I was thinking like late last night and I didn't even put it together that I was talking to you today, but I was thinking I should just get a math tutor. And I'm like, no, why would you put yourself through that torture right now? And then I felt like my guides were like, because it's magic, Lacey. Math is magic. And to know more about the numbers, you'll know more about every aspect of your life. So in numerology, um, what do you see for the next few weeks after 222? So 222 is really going to sort of set up that interpersonal relationships with ourselves and our surroundings and our loved ones and put that in perspective. So, and we're still at that last lag of winter right now. So we're really hitting the last more dreamy world where we're like in our, our RPM sleep through Pisces, where we can imagine what world we want. So really, if we if we go take this energy and go into this imaginative world, this is where we can really break all the boundaries. Talking about restructuring and putting new platforms and redefining through the energy of Pisces, that's not only it's imaginative and it's out there and creative, it's also healing. Um, so we go through this time, whether we're purging and or we're questioning or reaffirming all of this causes a lot of emotional turmoil and there's purging our self needs to come out to the surface we're exposing so the best thing to do is to sort of lay around like you know like the fishes you know kind of move around and then swim in that tranquility of between sleeping and waking up as we oscillate and, and create and that dream reality that we want to manifest it as spring comes the following as we start into the next month. So finding our dreams, you know, connecting to ourselves and allowing ourselves to be in that sweet spot where we're just enjoying that those like last moment of our sleep. We want to wake up, but we're still lingering, just kind of lingering in that moment and just really appreciating it. Um, and like I said, going through tomorrow is just a day. And nothing about any energetic, when we, whether numerological or astrological, really is going to do anything. It, but, but everything will leave, will, will take some note. And, and that note can really depend on when that manifestation within ourselves or realization happened and it will click. As we meditate through this time, um, we're going to grasp our information. And our information is going to be timely to when it needs to happen. And we take the next time and really appreciate just lingering in that space and just allowing for things to sort of settle into its reality. Receiving messages from this angelic space, it is really magical. I mean, it is really the, the essence of there's a magic you know, space or wand giving you information, guiding or like pointing out. And so, yeah, there is... There is magic and it's timely. So we're coming into this magic and we're moving into it. And how can we just allow magic to manifest 
reality and reality that's more authentic. It's more ours, uh, more cleansed and, and released from all held ups, from all fear, from all anything traumatizing that we have, because we can take this energy to channel all that with that assistance. Usually when, when times and seasons and events or whether religious or whatever, there's a setup universally that's happening. It's right there to tap into what we need to tap into. So it's like we're giving, you know, somebody is giving us all the, the setup. We don't have to set it up ourselves. So, I mean, I can also bring it back when, when I think of like going through the month of, month of Ramadan every year, I can just let go and, and the, the universe is carrying that for me and I just have to tap into it rather than me creating it outside of that realm. So any season of spirituality or whatever, it's just there. So all we have to do is just sort of submit, make a submission to it and just be. And and it's going to guide us and assist us and it has everything that we need that for once we don't have to really control it or do anything or feel we have to actually create it. It's been created for us to go through it. That is so beautiful, allowing the universe to carry you, allowing the universe to carry you. There's so many books and courses and this and that to learn more about spirituality, but sometimes it's just the surrender, the allowing the universe to carry you. I love that. Um, In numerology, what was going on from this perspective of numerology from 2020 to 2022? And what the hell do you think is happening in the globe? So from a numerological perspective, we are in the twos. Um, so 2020 and 2021 to 2022s are the beginning of entering the 20s, the, the two vibration. In our, we were in the, in the ones, 2019. So now we're getting to the two. So we think of the two, this is about... Again, that that energy of like the age of the Aquarius, which can manifest this way incrementally anytime there is that energy of it. So this is about our connection to the whole. But before we have our connection to the whole with that res- where we're actually connecting authentically, we have to let go of our ego, our perceived what needs to happen, our control of it. So the the year of the metal element through the rat and then after that this is the chinese uh, year so uh, 2020 was the year of the rat and it's the beginning of the cycle of the chinese so it's the beginning with the element of metal which actually the metal element is our lungs so having awareness to our lungs our breath our breath of life so this is the breath through our lungs that creates our existence. When we we're first born, we activate the lungs with that first breath. So being stopped or kind of bringing, like you said, that matrix that we created to sort of putting a wrench into it, we come through where that beginning breath where it sort of comes to a halt. And you have to like literally stop because if we can't breathe, we can't live. We have to understand that crude oxygen that we're getting to get ourselves to to navigate and so we have to actually pause we can't do anything the lessons of something traumatic like that is a blessing in disguise because we came to a complete stop and everybody has to come to a complete stop we had we were forced to actually identify with just life and and just our connection to ourselves and then from there 
identified to our connection to the outside and what we're doing. So 2020 was just more realization. And then when we hit 2021, this is about the determination of the ox of actually putting a foundation of what each of us as an individual want happen to establish our next existence. Since we got sort of jarred in our existence, now we're really going to be very, very efficient and persistent about putting what me, what our values, what what means, what what something is going to mean to me, my existence to me, as I take this breath. So that determination of the ox was very taxing because everybody has their own version of what it is, and nobody's budging. And we have this conflict where you have to be true to yourself, but you also understand that you have to live and coexist with other and find that room, that space, and equally of how we're going to do this in our connection. There's, you know, conflict, there is disagreement, but how can we find that space within us where we can actually, our differences become a place of understanding, and then we can create room to coexist. Um, And so going through 2021, I think a lot of people had a harder time with 2021, because it's a more stern way of deciding I'm alive and it's me and I'm going to do it in my authentic way. And as we got into the beginning of uh, beginning of the year, in the beginning of this month in particular, we entered the tiger. And the tiger is about taking these leaps of creating. So now we can go and hop yes. on something and actually doing it. So this is the energy where we are ready to go. But it's also conflicting because everybody's pouncing around doing what they want. So the challenge here, especially as we start this year, it's no longer in our health anymore. It's actually in authority. There's going to be a lot of challenge in authority and money and resources and where my resource is going to be to implement what I want. But mostly with with authority, like what what can somebody put in my body? What 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 can I do to protect myself? And and that kind of conflict, it's no longer necessarily about health, but positioning myself about who has rights to me and in who or to my existence in a practical way in a more. So there is a movement of the tiger that's going to be more accurate, a little bit more vicious, and hopefully as this year establishes there, we come to the rabbit the following year, and there is more diplomatic approaches. So the rabbit kind of takes this chaos and starts to kind of bring nourishment and say, okay, now we can talk one-on-one. and Now we can actually come to a realization. So there is hecticness still, but, but it's all within setting our foundation in a way where we can establish businesses, establish uh, as we recreate this platform again, because everything sort of lost what it used to be. And there's no going back to what it used to be. And there's a, a new creation of what, how we can exist, you know, including just this, this, um, this interaction that we're having and, and being connected outside of the typical like structural way, like, well, this is how you do a job or this is how you do an interview or this is how you do anything or an interaction or there's just yes. where you practice and all that. I was like cracking up inside when you were like, we're the time of the tiger and everyone's leaping because yeah. it feels like that. Yeah. I'm like isolated yeah. up sleep, in the mountain. Sleep time. Yeah. I'm isolated up in the <laughs> mountains and there's literally mountain lions outside of the door where I live that are coming more <laughs> to town. And then when I go like to the city, 
it feels so overwhelming because I do feel like tigers and this force energy is just leaping. And it's like, no, my imagination is going to create the next reality. No, what I want is going to create the next reality. And there's just this crazy tension. But I like what you're saying about the rabbit coming in next year because I see rabbits as also a symbol for fertility, for new life, yeah, birth, growth. Could you say more about mm-hmm. like numerology and the energy of authority and resources? And I know a lot of people are scared about that right now. How do we, how do we mitigate that? How do we navigate in this fear of money or lack of resources or what's going on with these authority figures right now? So when it comes to numerology in, in placement of like, how can I take a vibration and, and understand how that correlates with me as an individual, knowing just our vibration numerologically can help to know how we can establish our right container. So we're not taking more than what we need and, and we're not also allowing others to take what's ours. So numerology can be helpful in understanding, for example, you know, Lacey, you're a seven in numerology. So if I look at you as a quantity, I think of a, a seven ounce cup, okay? And that's how your, that's your container of energy, right? So it's gonna fill up up to seven ounces. So moving where this is also an opportunistic time for us to leap and actually financially ground ourselves and whatever is really to restrain ourselves from taking more than what we need. Um, usually, conflict happened, whether it's through authority or somebody who is controlling my money or whatever, if we're tapping into where I'm taking advantage or I'm going to be a little bit greedy and just stash because coming out of like that, that place where we felt like we were deprived might be like an opposition where we feel like we want to overcompensate and we want to take more because for these rainy days that might come that because now we can anticipate it because we just came out of it. But finding that balance of only taking what we need as opposed to more or less than what we need and understanding what that means to us. And that really then connecting ourselves to a little bit more authentically to our authentic self or our ethical compass (laughs) as we move around and also finding that compassion that we are individual and there are others around us and and this one loaf of bread can, can fit exactly that many people and want to just grab not becoming greedy or um, less compassionate about what's going on. And also when we think about our position with authority, we have to authentically hold our ground from a deeper place. So we're not just fighting resources. We're saying, I want to establish this perspective for myself that I worked so hard in this time that was taking for those two years up to this year. And this is my core belief. This is what I want. And know how to navigate authority where you're not coming to to attack directly. So you become then visible, uh, kind of maneuvering. I mean, think of the tiger. The tiger, you know, doesn't make a sound. You know, it sits there, it observes quietly, it's alert, and it just pounces to the, gets you in the jungle, <laughs> goes for the kill. <laughs> so if you're going to make a move, make sure your move is accurate, right? You're actually going to go for that kill because you don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers and, and then find yourself in that 
turmoil position. So if we move with that consciousness and awareness, our movements are going to be like separated from a lot of the chaos where it's going to happen. It's usually when the movement is unaligned or misguided or premature or arrogant or unaware. But moving to get what we need, we just establish a place of reservance where we can be and go for what rightfully ours only and not anything else. So you say I'm a seven. What are you? So my uh, number is an 11. And in numerology, there are a couple of, so double numbers are called master numbers, where triple numbers, we call them, you know, they're called angel numbers. So master numbers are typically 11, you know, 22. And sometimes people would take any double number, 33 and 44. But these vibrations of uh, the uh, master numbers, uh, so if I talk about my numerological manifestations, my day actually, your day is a seven. So you're born in the 16th. Six plus one is seven. That's your day. So you're a seven, seven. And your life path, if I add all of your digits, I'll come with one single digit if I add every digit to a seven. So you're a seven, seven. So you're very aligned. Your tool is aligned with your path. So you kind of see the world in sort of one scoop. Just your day line up with your path. You know, your tool is, is equipped to put you on your path right away. You don't need sort of a secondary uh, perspective or, or, or pathway to get you back to your tool. So I look at your day number and your life path number, sim- similarly to how we see our sun sign, you know, so you said your sun sign is Virgo, but then your rising is Virgo. Again, you're in alignment. So your rising really resonates with your Virgo. So you see the world from a Virgo perspective and your lower realm in your higher realm. So your seven, seven act equally. For example, my rising is Aries. My sun is Sagittarius. So my rising has a different nature to come up. And then I can land into my rising. Okay. So my day is a seven, just like yours. So I do understand learning through sacrifice, sacrificial aspect, uh, how to be um, a teacher of life in my lower realm. But that's not my purpose as it is yours. My purpose actually is to guide, to guide guides and teachers. So because I learned through life experiences, my manifestation and my life path is an 11. And 11 11 is just a guide. Um, The person who sort of splits out from the one to the nine and becomes two parallel ones. So there's a vortex of opening, sort of thinking of the event horizon, the opening of the black hole, which sucks everything into the other realm. So at that opening is where the 11 sort of stands, where you guide. So things are coming in from one realm. And you sort of help direct it to where it needs to go to align to the next realm because they can't see what's happening and vice versa. So my path here is to guide. And I guide by understanding life nuances. For example, in my path, I would go, I would have to have both my parents passed away. I went, I married, I divorced, I, I, I had a job, I lost my job, I had kids, and I'm not married anymore, or just, you know, things kind of breaking down and moving. And so uh, I had surgery. So when I have these, these incidents, I understand living life in the high, like the highs and lows and, and rising. Um, and so then I can guide people to find their paths. Not really what to do, but to find that alignment. So we're going back again to numerology. When we understand our path, think of that roller coaster line, our line of roller coaster where our you know our ride is riding it. We're on that path. We're not jumping into back and forth 
we're not pretending we're thinking we're riding this particular ride, but we're in another ride in another path. So the bucket where we're sitting is somewhere else in somebody else's path. We just need to know where that bucket needs to, what roller coaster. So we're sitting in the right one and riding our path. So our path lives are our paths where we move and we have to accurately align ourselves there. Because not only for ourselves, because if you don't align ourselves in our path, we start to hinder other people's paths. And that's really where it becomes more problematic because we're causing turmoil and havoc, and then we become karmically responsible to it, and then it will chase us. And 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 that what that means is the universe start to try to push us back to where we need to go. So we find this resistance, and then we're fighting, and the universe is kind of fighting back. It's like I need to be here. If you're a seven and you want to squeeze yourself between a one and a three, thinking you're a two. It's going to be very hard. And mathematically, you're not going to add up. You're going to confuse everybody. And so it's like, well, you can have an equation and the numbers are not going to come out. There's one number that was not in the right place. Yeah. And oh, man, I've been there. Not on the right roller coaster. And the universe is like, nope, go back, go back. And I've talked to other sort of new age spiritual people about this. And they're like, oh, Lacey, you just believe in punishment. You think you're being punished. And I don't think the universe punishes us, but I do think when we're not sort of on our path, we get all these hurdles and it feels like these hurdles don't stop. But I think it's more just directions from the universe to become more aligned on our path. Okay, so I think you've said it. Yeah, it's just pushing you. Yeah. And then it's just about surrendering while you're being pushed, right? Not resisting it or thinking, because this is where I fuck up. I'm like, oh no, I'm being pushed. So I am bad or I'm this, or I'm like creating a story about it in my head instead of just surrendering and letting the universe hold me. So what is the energy of the seven? Because what you said about you being 11, I'm like, oh shit, you are a guide for the guides. You literally would just appear and whisper some messages in my ear that exactly the messages I needed to hear in that moment. And then I would go years or months without seeing you again. I even just had a flashback of I ran into you at Whole Foods once too. You're just like a person I would, the universe would like force me to bump into. And I'm like, oh shit, you're a guide for the guides. That's why. So what does a seven really mean for like, what is my path? And like, how do I become more aligned with it? Or how does anyone become more aligned with it? So the seven, again, is learning through life hardship. Um, Damn it. And so the, the, the unique, but you have the makeup for it. And you're also 16, which is a rebellious way to learn through our, you know, the 16 is really, you know, think of that age when we are literally 16. Or you, so you carry that vibration with you because when we're rebelling against authority, against our parents, we want to just go do what we want to do. We're actually kind of sort of finding our muscles to be like, this is my position. Um, and also maybe also rebelling against authority when people can get arrested at that time or just they, they're in a conflict with the law. Um, and so the learning pathway for you is real life learning. So for the seven, you need room to be able to go through the journey on your own because you're capable of going through the journey and the fall and the demise. But you have to go through the, the crashing down to, to be able to see how to lift it up. And that part of the lifting up is how you can teach. Uh, 
So after a while, when you move through your cycles of like learning and learning experiences, there is a moment where wisdom will start to come in. And wisdom in learning means so rather than feeling that there's, I have to go and seek it and I have to really go all the way to the end until it collapses, you go all the way to that threshold just before it falls and you have trust and believe that you know what the fall is without creating the turmoil for yourself and your surrounding. And then when you are able to master that position, then you can then, then that's your role as a teacher. Because then you see people cycling and you can help them find that threshold where they can stop and they don't need. Yeah. So that term that you use is interesting where it's like, you know, uh, self-punishment. Somebody told you that. The, the essence of it is kind of true because you're kind of sort of self-sacrificing and, and it is. You have to go and, and feel the bump so you can come up. And, you know, the bump is gonna always going to be different. But the perspective of all the bumps are the same and wisdom is finding what that is. So your pathway is as hectic as it can be. There is a point <laughs> where you stop going down there and then you have a profound existence where you'll become people who people would seek you because you start to bring people's energies and their life paths to that threshold. And you just know what that is because you literally physically went through it. And so, you know, but to come back and teaching for you is really the essence of the seven is teaching through life experiences, the ultimate teachers, um, conveying real truth, um, not even guiding or ab abstract truth. Uh, there is essence of all of that, but you're really just kind of laying it out the way it is. This is what it is. And people will re always receive a seven because there's a humbleness to that energy that's very taxing to itself as well when, when it finds that place of wisdom that you're not going to find people really questioning what you're saying because it's not only just it makes sense, it resonates to that degree to people's experiences. Yeah. So well, having these modalities are perfect. Yeah. 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 Well, good thing mm -hmm. I started choosing my uh, tumultuousness in the womb. So hopefully I'm – and it's yeah. interesting how you say like the threshold because I always talk about how I navigate through life is by going really, really close to the edge, like so close to the edge. Yeah where I feel like I'm going to fall off and I go, oh my God, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I don't know what's going to happen. Ah! And then I jump and I've been describing that lately. Yeah. Now I'm so confident in that in catching myself and levitating back up. Yeah. But I never thought of it through a numerology. Numerology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it lines out numerology. There's a lot of modalities that gives us that perspective in more um, broader way. I think the morality is a little bit more pixelated. It's like, that's it. I was just like that point and, that, and that's it. So sometimes it can lack a little bit creativity to come around it. And also can be very piercing. This is the pixelated you. Um, and so, and it, but it also becomes very elemental and like very, very defining because when you know what that's, thread that you have to be walking on then the rest of you can the complex rest of you can can be built with accuracy it's really about accuracy how can you move very accurately and numerology really help us find that 
that you know vibration within us to so we can connect accurately and be with ourselves accurately. Oh, I love that. As soon as we make that alignment within ourselves and we set that intention, it's amazing all the things popping up <laughs> that are uniquely what we needed to know or meet and the people we have to talk to and everything. Um, yeah. For me personally, I always looked at, yeah, I always looked at um, what I do in a more simplistic way. And sometimes I, even just when we met, when you meet a person and, and I don't have to really think about information comes because as in that position, I'm not trying to be the guide. I am just that. So flow of information and interaction when you are always put within yourself with that vibration within yourself where you've honed out and tuned out who you are, you're more polished, you just move being your vibration. So if I meet somebody, whatever, I just interact. And within that interaction, it's almost at a hundred percent capacity what I need what, what needed to come out of me and what they needed to receive what exactly what needed to happen. And to get myself to a hundred percent, that takes a lot of discipline and a lot of self-awareness from my part to be able to transmit what I need to transmit and, and have people receive what they need to receive. Because it's like a formula that we put. All of us, we have the ability to do that when we start with ourselves and then we start to move and ourselves really become the conduit that brings everything to us. Again, we go back to how can we receive, including as we enter tomorrow, how can we just align or have just setting the intention to, to receive what we need to receive and just go through the day, we will receive what we need to receive. And we don't have to yes. really do too much. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, how can people find you? Yeah, it it was truly amazing <laughs> reconnecting and hearing your magic. How can people find you? And you're doing um, like online yin classes, right? So could people come and join one yes. of your classes? Definitely. Yeah. So I teach uh, yin yoga Mondays and Fridays, 6 to 7 a.m. Uh, mountain time. People can use my email and email me to get access. And this is a Zoom class and they can get access to my Zoom. So my email, I don't know if you want to write it down or I can uh, just voice it you out. It's my it. first name. It's K. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's Haula, my name. So my name is Doe, but it's also, in, it Doe is the meaning of my name and it means Haula in Arabic. That's what it means. It's a Doe, a female deer. So it's K-H-A-W-L-A-H and then M, which is my initial, my first initial of my last name, which is Munshi. So Haula M at yahoo.com. And please contact me for the class. I do also energy composite readings. Uh, if somebody's interested, also you're welcome to email me for an energy composite to get your numerological, you know, pathway, uh, astrology, Ayurvedic, whatever that is, as as we were talking, how could people connect to their life paths or having a diagnostic over it they need to be. So either of those. But the yin class specifically, it'd be really cool because I the teaching it comes from a Dallas perspective. It channels a lot of all what we really talked about. Uh, my class today, this morning, we really were talking about all of this um, as the theme of what 
of the day of tomorrow. So it was all interconnected. So thank you a lot for just reaching out. It was really a a beautiful um, birth of like, just, oh, I was like, oh, it's Lacey. And I, you know, I follow you, I see you here and there. I'm always just, uh, I just admire who you are and who you've become and just the person that you are. And just, I'm like, always just like, oh, she's just like this cool, badass woman that I was just really happy that we crossed paths. And so when I, when I, when I, when you reached out, it was really amazing. So I'm just really, I'm just glad to see that you're well and, um, and just wishing that your life and your endeavors are all filled with joy and magic for you. Thank you so much. It was truly, this was such a gift and I definitely want to have you back on. You can book a reading with me at LaceyFree.com or you can sign up for the Patreon at Patreon slash LaceyFree. I hope to see you there. Who are the witches? Where do they come from? Maybe your great-great-grandmother was one. Witches are wise, wise women, they say. And each and every one of us are witches today. Oh, 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 oh,